We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. We are in week four of the regular season. Nick Whalen, Brandon Kravitz here with you as we are every Wednesday. And uh, Brandon, what a night we had in, in, I believe, what, night three of the NBA in-season tournament. I am still kind of scrambling, trying to like find, okay, which, which teams are, are still in play right now uh, for the NBA Cup. I, I believe the Clippers were mathematically eliminated. Last night, uh, with, with their loss to the Denver Nuggets, uh, but a, an exciting night of group play. We had, you know, one big uh, kerfuffle going on uh, in the the Timberwolves Warriors game. Less than two minutes in, Clay Thompson gets kicked out. Draymond Green comes in for the headlock on Rudy Gobert. He gets ejected as well. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis was nearly ejected in the Lakers game. I mean, I, look, we 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 wondered if players would take the in season cup seriously, and I, I think we have our answer, Brandon. The only people that are laughing at this right now are trolling fans. It's honestly been a lot of fun. And I, I don't yeah. know if you saw Steph Curry's response when he was asked, like, how confusing is all of this? And and he just kind of snarkily goes, you know, uh, if you just read about it, it's really not that difficult. You're in a right. group stage. You try and pick up enough wins to advance. And then it's um it, it's a, a knockout tournament and it really is i mean when you break it down it's this is not that complicated and and these players first of all there's money on the line $500,000 at the end for the champion even if it's just 5% more interesting and competitive than a basic tuesday or friday night game in the nba isn't that all you're kind of asking for yeah and so when you change the color of the courts and the jerseys are different and you tell the players, even if it's sort of like this pot of gold or maybe uh, bronze would be a better comparison, a pot of bronze at the end of the uh, rainbow, mm-hmm. the players, like, they just, we dog these guys way too much as NBA fans and saying they, they, they don't care. There's so many guys that care so much that are uber competitive and they only need a little morsel of added motivation to give us what we saw last night. Full-blown choke. I don't know how much motivation Draymond Green needs to choke somebody out, but I I mean, this has been obviously a victory early on for the NBA is my overarching point. I I, do. I mean, do you really think the in-season tournament is what provoked, you know, this, this increased level of aggression, uh, I guess, to, to put it professionally last night? Like I, 
I think that was going to happen no matter what. I, I don't think, you know, Anthony Davis said, hey, it's the in-season tournament. You know, I got to I got to shove Santi Aldama here. Or, you know, I, I don't think Clay Thompson said, man, two minutes into the in-season tournament, you know, game two, look, I, I got I to turn it up a notch. I think it just happened to be that yeah. these were these were in-season I- tournament games. But uh, either way, it's, I mean, it's, it's in general good for the league. You know, I, I think Adam Silver would probably tell you, no, it's not good that we have players getting kicked out. But I think the fact that this happened to occur during an in-season tournament night, it, it shines more light on it. I don't think that they fought because they're in the in-season tournament. I'm a, my general point is just that players are way more naturally competitive than I think we tend to give them credit for. And that's where the in-season tournament can be something that these players care about it, because they already have that. And it's that sort of just natural competitiveness um, that we're, they're, they're going to get into scuffles throughout the course of seasons and Draymond Green has done this to teammates in practice, so we shouldn't be surprised that it's happening on a Tuesday night against an opponent. Um, but I, I just I, I think that you are seeing an increased level of competitiveness in general. The aggression, probably not because of in-season tournament play, but just overall, we've seen close games, we've seen good games. The um, we I think we read the stat on last week's podcast that first night of in-season tournament action saw more one-score games than we'd seen in years on a slate that had at least seven games. So there's clearly something to this. All right, let's hit some of the news coming out of yesterday and looking ahead to the rest of the week. And we'll we'll start with Golden State. And, you know, they were going to be without Steph Curry no matter what last night. Uh, you know, and Draymond has like a history of if he's not playing with Curry, he just doesn't want to be out there. So I'm not, not shocked uh, that he got kicked out of this game, uh, you know, less than two minutes in. I, I would have gone over on that. But nonetheless, you know, they're calling Curry – you know, uh, you know, calling this a minor injury, but they, they're also calling it a right knee sprain, which yeah, I, sound I don't good. know, man, that those are kind of contradictory to me. Right. And, you know, Curry was on the bench. He was up and, you know, didn't look like he was hampered at all. didn't appear to be, you know, wearing any brace or anything on that knee. So I, I'm inclined to believe the Warriors here that this is not that big of a deal, but we're also talking about a guy in his mid thirties who's missed a ton of time with a, a variety of injuries over the last several years. And I don't know, man, like in general, like knee sprain is not just like a one to two game injury. Like that's that's usually something uh, that keeps guys out for weeks, if not longer. So are you are you concerned right now about Steph Curry? Like, do you expect to see him tomorrow against OKC Saturday in the rematch against OKC? Like, how are we handling this right now for fantasy? So the, the report is that it's not that serious of an injury right now. To me, that means no more than a week. But yeah, I expect him to miss the next couple of games. And I see here on our, our, our uh, itinerary teams that we got wrong. This is one that's on the opposite end for me. The, and there are plenty. Don't worry. We'll put plenty of egg on my face. But <laughs> we talked about it on the first podcast we did together. I was concerned about this Warriors team getting old right in front of our very eyes. And, and then they started the season pretty hot and uh and and it wasn't looking great at first trying to uh end the dynasty verbally here on the podcast for the golden state warriors but we are seeing it clay thompson wasn't the same player last year steph curry now dealing with injuries and if he's out that's going to crater the productivity of this team they go as he goes and if he's not out on the floor uh, i don't think chris paul is going to keep them afloat Kind of some bizarre possessions, I thought, by Chris Paul down the stretch. I mean, it ended up being a, a really competitive game against Minnesota. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about Brandon Pajemski in a moment here. But even after the ejections, you're thinking, okay, all right, Minnesota's going to run away with this thing. They still have Gobert. They got Towns. They got Edwards. And that wasn't really the case. Uh, they were actually trailing going into the fourth quarter. Uh, got some big stops. You know, Anthony Edwards hit a big pull-up three late in the game. But 
I thought Chris Paul had several opportunities to, I don't know if I would say take over this game, but at least kind of take control of the offense. And he was, he was passing on like wide open mid range jumpers and, you know, kind of kicking it out to guys who you maybe don't necessarily want taking big shots down the stretch. I I thought it was kind of a a bizarrely passive game for Chris Paul, considering the Warriors did not have Draymond Curry or Clay Thompson for virtually the entire game. Uh, But, but the thing with the goal with the Warriors right now, uh, Brandon is they're just not shooting the ball well. Right. And, you know, obviously when you remove Curry from the equation, that's going to make it even more difficult. Uh, but they're, they're under 35% from, from three as a team on the season. They're 44.5% from the field. That's 26th in the NBA. The only teams worse than the Warriors so far, are the Bulls, the Blazers, the Grizzlies and the Knicks. And, you know, part of that is Andrew Wiggins just looking like a shell of himself. Uh, you know, obviously you're not relying heavily on, on Draymond Green to give you anything offensively. You know, Chris Paul's been up and down. But there's always this, you know, fabled belief that like, all right, this is the year. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, those guys are going to take over. It, it feels like we're going down the same path with those guys again. And, you know, now now we have Brandon Pajemski, uh, who looks like he might be at least something for this team off the bench. But I also don't think you can count on him, you know, going nine of 18 from the field, banking in a three at the end of the third quarter. I mean, that, that felt like, you know, kind of one of those like magical, like almost Jeremy Lin type of games. And, you know, I, I think they'll experiment and see what they have with him. But ultimately, you know, they, they flashed a graphic. Last night, Brandon, that I, I did not realize this. Um, Brandon Pajewski became only the second Warriors player to, to score over 20 points this season. Obviously, That's Stephen Curry is the other one. And, and Dario Saric ended up getting over 20 points as well. He had a late three-pointer. Uh, so the Warriors now have three 20-point scores on the year. Stephen Curry, Brandon Pajemski, and Dario Saric. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think that we oftentimes are fooled by jerseys and sports. And don't let the jersey fool you in this situation. Just because you're donning the Warriors garb doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden a proficient three-point shooter. Clay Thompson has has, uh, uh, dropped off a bit. I mean, he was still a great three-point shooter last year, so I don't want to dog him too much. But like you said, you're not getting much from Draymond Green. When you take Steph Curry out of the equation, who do you love in terms of outside shooting on this team? A team that for the last decade has been excellent at that and almost clean across the board with guys that they would bring in and shuffle into their lineup. That's just not there. Those young guys have not come around. And, um, hey, maybe this Pajemski fella is somebody that we should take a good hard look at because they're going to need production if Steph Curry uh, ends up missing some time here. And he uh, 23 points, and it's not like he was doing it all on fluky threes. Nine of 18 from the field. So six, six of his shots came from inside the perimeter. Um, I like that in terms of just his ability to score at multiple levels. This is a first-round pick. He was t- a yeah. top-20 guy. I'm um, not highly heralded coming out of college, but um, clearly something that uh, that Steve Kerr and company saw in him. Wisconsin native, Brandon Pajemski. Oh, well, there you well. go. Uh, what else do you need to know? Um, you know, I, I think Andrew Wiggins' struggles, to me, are are maybe the biggest concern so far. Like, I, I think Clay's going to get going. We saw a slow start from him last year. You know, Draymond, like, the numbers are never going to look great, but obviously what he gives them is, is tough to quantify, and I think he's going to be fine. But Wiggins is 5 for 33 from three to begin the season. And he just he just doesn't look confident, man. He doesn't look engaged. He's just kind of floating around out there. We saw that again last night. Uh, you know, had some, some lapses on the defensive end. Like, it's just... I don't know what's going on with Wiggins. Like he just, we're 12 games in at this point. You know, if it was three, four, yeah. five games, you're like, all right, you know, could just be a slump. But he looks like he's lost confidence across the board. Like he's at, he's at 50% from the free throw line. He's at 39% from the field. Like it's not like it's just a, a, a three pointers issue. Like he's not, he's not hitting anything right now. And he's not even taking that many. Um, you know, and last night was, was kind of one of those spots where it's like, all right, you're down, you're down your three best players for the entire game. Like this would be the night 
for Andrew Wiggins to step up. And he, he just simply did not. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, if you're in a 10 or a 12 team league, I, I, I don't think I'm dropping Andrew Wiggins because I think the pedigree is there. And I, I do think over the course of the season, he's somebody that you want to roster, but if you have anything less than a four, four game week right now, it's like, I don't even know if I want to start Andrew Wiggins. No, I mean, and there's a number of these guys. I'm sure that at some point, um, uh, Jordan Poole is one of the most confounding players in fantasy. Uh, his name will probably come up at some point. Andrew Wiggins fits into the same bucket of um, the lead boot players on your roster that are too good to drop and too bad to start. And we end up with a lot of these players. I don't understand what's happening. This guy's put on a lot of muscle over the last several years, and I think he's somebody that should be attacking the basket a lot more. But when you look, forget about the free throw percentage, which is certainly not great at less than 50%. He's not even getting to the line, Nick. That's part of the problem. I mean, maybe he wouldn't make him if he got there, but I mean, he shot no free throws last night, four in the two games combined prior to that. This is a guy that should be getting to the cup and forcing the issue with his physicality and he's not doing that at all. So you're right. And I think that that speaks to a confidence issue when you're passively just, just taking um, ill-advised mid range or three point shots and they're not falling the best players when that's happening in their field goal percentage or three point percentage is sluggish. They attack the rim, especially right. if they have the ability to do it. He does and he's not doing it. So it does speak to that confidence issue. And, and that's where it's tough to gauge because, I mean, confidence is everything in basketball, and you have no idea as a fantasy manager when that's ever going to come back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Got a question about uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. from from our friend Mal, and you know, this will this will kind of lead us to talking about Grizzlies Lakers. And uh, the Grizzlies are certainly a team that I got wrong. Uh, I, I you know wouldn't say I thought they were going to win the West or anything like that. I, I did not think they'd be two and nine, Brandon. Same uh, with, with the yeah. worst record in the Western Conference through eleven games, and you know they have just they've even been competitive on a lot of nights. And you know they're they're down Stephen Adams, they're down John Morant. We know that. Um, you know I, I think those are those are kind of their own issues but some of the depth that they lost as well uh you know Tyus Jones for example like not having him to kind of cover up for the absence of John Morant I think that's been a much bigger factor than we anticipated you know they lost Marcus Smart to an injury last night uh looked like he rolled his ankle in the second quarter so we'll see how much time he ends up missing uh but this one against the Lakers got completely out of hand I mean this game was over <clears throat> essentially by halftime and you know the Lakers like LeBron Anthony Davis didn't even play at all in the fourth quarter 
it was yet another night. <clears throat> excuse me. My voice is just all over the place. It was another night where I feel like everybody in my my most important fantasy league uh, like started the night 0 for 5 from the field. Uh, looking at you, Jared Jackson, who is now down to like 44% on the year. He was 0 for 7 at one point, finished 3 of 16 from the floor. Uh, so the same thing happened with Laurie Marketing. Damian Lillard uh, is also on that team. He's shooting like 36% from the field on the year. Um, you know, I, I thought this would be a monster situation early on for Jaron Jackson, you know, without, without John Morant right? coming off of team USA, you're thinking, all right, it's going to be, it's going to be the Bane show. It's going to be the Jaron Jackson show every single night. And, you know, Jaron Jackson has now had three straight games where he just hasn't really done anything offensively. You know, the rebounds uh, are, are not really there at all. He has not had multiple block shots in five straight games. Um, you know, I, I, that was one of my highest buys. This was an auction league. And it's it's looking. I wouldn't say like it's going to be a total bust because you know the, the the big games have still been there. Like Jackson had a nice three game run you know, at the beginning of November, uh, but two of those games came against Portland, and it, it feels like when they go up against you know <clears throat> some of the elite teams in the league, they're just overmatched. I mean, the the, the Grizzlies make no sense right now, I, and and perhaps it's just sim- as simple as this. Sometimes, uh, like we think that when a great player leaves the floor, that it then opens up room uh, and opportunity for other really good players like Jaron Jackson Jr. But this is a big man that clearly needs his point guard to play that two-man game. I don't think he's the same without Ja Morant. We saw spurts last season when Ja was off the floor where this team still played well. But that's where you get a team that's that's good, that's rolling. Go back to that confidence word that we were using before um, that can rally the troops. There's no rallying right now. They no. know they're down a road where they had to play without John Morant, their best player, for 25 games. And it's yep. just something that seems like nobody's stepping up and it's not clicking right now. But I would hold on on Jaron Jackson Jr. If we're talking about between yeah. the two, just positionally, it's harder to replace Jaron Jackson Jr. You're already 11 games into the jawless Grizzlies. I think Jaron Jackson Jr., we just all read the situation wrong. We thought he'd be better without jaw. He clearly needs jaw in the yeah. lineup, and that's coming. You're, I mean, you're a couple of weeks away from the Grizzlies returning to full, uh, full form and strength. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you said it that he kind of needs John Morant uh, to to function. He's not he's not the type of guy who's going to just go get his own shot, right? I, I think in, exactly. It was it's kind of ironic watching him go up against Anthony Davis last night, and like it, it, like Jared Jackson last night looked like Anthony Davis on his bad nights, you know, where he's kind of out of control. He's you know the, his legs are all over the place. He's like trying to draw contact, but it ends up just being messy, and he's forcing shots. Like that's that's kind of what it reminded me of. And it, it's those nights when like when the Lakers don't have LeBron, and it's like, all right, AD, we need you to give us thirty. Sometimes he can do it. Sometimes he can't. And, you know, I, I think more often than not, that's what we've seen with Jackson. Uh, we got a couple of questions, you know, one here, uh, Kate Cunningham, kind of in the same boat. Uh, Andrew asked the same thing. Is he a buy low? Uh, Mal asked if he should trade Kate Cunningham. I, I feel the same way on Kate as I do Jaron Jackson. I, I feel like you know, we, we've seen, we've seen the, the highs with Kate Cunningham last night uh, was, was certainly not one of those games, uh, but he, he ranks 75th right now in per game value in eight category leagues. You know, he still gave you 12 assists, gave you three steals last night. You know, the shooting is is what's kind of holding him back. And if you play in a nine-cat league, uh, you know, turnovers have been somewhat of an issue uh, for him as well. But uh, he's shooting 40.2% from the field, but he's at 88% from the line, uh, you know, 1.83s per game. I, I'd be looking to buy low on Kate Cunningham. Like, if, if it's if it's a, you know, do I try to trade him versus do I try to trade for him? I, w- I would rather buy low on Kate. 
I agree. I still think his best days are in front of him. Uh, and and I'd just like to reiterate in terms of the Jaron Jackson Jr. situation. I think at this point, I'd still rather have Jaron Jackson Jr. But if we're just isolating Cade Cunningham uh, a buy low, yeah, I mean, I, I would go ahead and see mm-hmm. what you can pull off to, to to get him. All eyes are on Asar Thompson right now. He is the I mean, is this guy not the fantasy darling? Last week was all about Scotty Barnes and what he was doing for fantasy managers, but Asar Thompson is not going away. And so everybody that's got their eyes on the Pistons has their eyes firmly planted on him. But I think we we live in a in in a world where both of those guys can exist and have their own fantasy value on the same roster. They they just do different things. Asar is bringing it across the board. The guy just is statistically defense, offense, and everything. And Cade Cunningham is going to fill it up with uh, more like uh, points and assists. Yeah, Asar Thompson is the you know the the auction buy or the the draft pick of the year so far, and Probably, I do think yeah. I think he's benefiting from the absence of Jalen Duran in terms of the rebounds. Like I, I don't think he's going to be a like you know fourteen rebounds a game guy when Duran is back, uh, but it's clear. I mean, he's going to stick in this rotation, right? It's like Jaden Ivey. Oh, the defense is too good. You can't get away from him. He's he's unbelievable on defense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we I, I feel like we didn't really get a fair chance to evaluate him, you know, in in the overtime league last year. But my goodness, I mean, this dude is is unbelievable. It's like he's he's a great on ball defender. And it's also translating to fantasy. Like that's not always the case, right? There's a lot of like good defenders who just don't get a ton of steals or blocks. Uh, whereas uh, Asar Thompson feels like he's good for like at least one of each every yep. night. I mean, you know, these, these last four games, 12 points, 13 boards, it's giving you almost four assists as well. That was not really something that we, you know, we knew would be consistent coming in uh, 1.8 blocks, one steal. Uh, so yeah, he's a top 50 guy on the year so far. Obviously if you're, if you're someone who grabbed him late, you're holding on to him. Um, we got a, a question about Herbert Jones. Is he a must roster over Tyus Jones? No relation or Bruce Brown. Uh, he's definitely a must roster for me, uh, for sure. Over Bruce Brown. I mean, you could, you could kind of quibble about Tyus Jones. Like I I'm still, I'm still holding out some hope there. Uh, you know, he had 10 points, eight assists the other night against Toronto. That was a step in the right direction, but the minutes have been all over the place. I would rather have Herb Jones right now of those three. The question is, you know, do they pull back on Herb Jones at some point? Like Trey Murphy could be back in the next couple of weeks. You know, obviously CJ McCollum is out. We don't really know when he's going to be back. Uh, Jose Alvarado, like not not one to one positionally, um, but yeah, I, I think Herb Jones is just such a good three and D player, such a good defender that yes, Trey Murphy is going to cut into his workload, but I, I think New Orleans needs to keep him on the floor for at least twenty five plus minutes a night. And if, if that's the case, he's still probably getting you one or two steals every night. He's going to get you some blocks as well. Um, I mean, he had seven combined steals and blocks in 31 minutes in what turned into a blowout last night against Dallas. So absolutely want him over Bruce Brown. And I, I think you got to take him over Tyus Jones, too. I think I'd rather have Tyus Jones if we're just talking yeah. about over the course of the season. But I agree. I mean, I really like Herb Jones, the player. The problem is, is that we don't I don't think we have a true depiction of what this New Orleans Pelicans rotation is going to look like because we just haven't seen them fully healthy uh, at, at any point this season. So he's a player that I like, but the Washington Wizards have very few adults in the room. Tyus Jones feels like one of them. So even though the numbers aren't eye-popping, I just think over the course of the season, he's going to bring you more efficiency, a higher usage. They've got to get away from Jordan Poole. I'm, I'm probably not telling the Wizards anything that they can't figure out for themselves. And um, and that is certainly one of my big swings and, and misses in the draft process. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was targeting Jordan Poole and didn't really get him anywhere. Uh, kind of feels like a, a bullet dodged uh, in that yeah. situation. And, you know, just in the last week, there's been like multiple videos. Like somebody put together like a low lights compilation 
of Jordan Poole just doing Jordan Poole things. You know, there's that video of him just like very clearly not, not paying, paying attention. attention. Yeah. Blowing off coaches, blowing off teammates in the huddle. It's like we're we're three and a half weeks into the season. Don't really love that uh, as far as what it means going forward, but and and uh, I would I wouldn't read into that if he didn't also play like someone that didn't pay attention right. in 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 huddles. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, um, let's let's talk about your team, the Orlando Magic. Last night they they get blown out by Brooklyn, one twenty four, one oh four. It was still a decent night for for Ben Caro and, and Franz Wagner. You know, Goga Batadze uh, still starting, still giving you okay numbers in relief uh, of Wendell Carter. Uh, you know, any, anything that you saw last night or over these last couple of games from Orlando? I, I know you follow them as closely as anybody. Uh, yeah, well, they cratered in the fourth quarter, which has been one of the biggest problems for this team. But, you know, that's uh, aside from the fantasy lens. I thought that we would see more from Anthony Black in terms of numbers. He wasn't a guy that I was high on in the fantasy draft process because I didn't think he would see minutes. But he's impressed the team so much in practice and and in the preseason that when Markel Fultz went down, they slid him right into the starting lineup. But, man, does this guy fade into the background. I think he looks comfortable out there, but he just doesn't doesn't handle the ball all that often, and he is not rack- – like, he's a guy that, to me, passes the eye test, but then you look at the box score, and and he's giving you virtually nothing. So even with Markel Fultz yeah. out of the lineup, I, I don't even think that Anthony Black is rosterable. I uh, love what I've seen from Jalen Suggs on the offensive end last night um was not one of those nights and and he's gonna be hot and cold that's just the kind of player that he is um but in terms of what he brings defensively and when you get those random bursts on offense I think Jalen Suggs is somebody that I probably should have been higher on in the draft process Franz is Franz um you know he brings you this yeah he's the same guy every single night it's great um for Paolo you know I I think the uh the shooting percentage We'll get there. One of the things that I'm noticing with him is that he has not figured out where his kill spot is yet. He doesn't know where to go on the floor to go. I need a bucket. I'm going to go. I'm going to shoot it from here. Uh, This is still somebody that wants to be a good three-point shooter. Last night he was shot over 50% from uh, the perimeter, but that's not who he is. Um, I just don't think he's found his spot yet. Paolo is a perfect example of the type of player that's much better in real life than he is in fantasy. Definitely helps this team in the win-loss department, but um, he's just not somebody like, is he even a top 50 fantasy player uh, uh, at this point? So that's where uh, I think fantasy and reality can can definitely, there can be a divergence there. Let's hit a couple quick questions from the chat here. Uh, Sohan or Bruce Brown in a 14-team, nine-category league? I would go Bruce Brown. I, I'm kind of out on this Sohan experiment, especially in nine-cat. You know, you're dealing with the turnovers. That If you look at Sohan's ranking in eight-cat versus nine-cat, there's a pretty big difference. We're talking like 40, 50 spots because of the turnovers. Bruce Brown's been pretty underwhelming. You know, he hasn't had any, like, big stat lines, but that's that's also just who Bruce Brown is. Like, he is a he's a bit player. He's more... He's more valuable in real life uh, than he is in fantasy, but I think in a nine-category league, Bruce Brown has a better chance to finish in that like 90 to 110 range than Jeremy Sohan does at this point, especially if the Spurs move away from this point guard experiment at some point, right? It's like it's the assist yeah. that you're better kind of booing him right now, and I, I could see San Antonio wanting to go with a more traditional guard. They have Trey Jones just kind of sitting there, um, so I, I would lean Bruce Brown in that situation. Yeah, we're starting to see his minutes dip a little bit too. Um, I, I I agree. I think it's something they go away from. He's not a great player, and this team just man when they play bad, it is like otherworldly bad. Eighty-seven points last night against That's the Oklahoma. 
They had 83 a couple of weeks ago against the Los Angeles Clippers. So they have they can crater in a way that I'm I'm sort of at the point where I'm trying to avoid all Spurs not named Victor Wembanyama just because I don't want the um the full blown dud. There's so many players in fantasy that can that can just give you night to night production, and and there are so many guys on the on the Spurs that just give you nothing, and he's one of them. So we talked about Jordan Poole. We won't go long on this one, but, uh, you know, Guilford asks, any suggestions on what to do with this clown uh, who ranks outside <laughs> of the top 100 so far this season? I mean, he was dra- – I saw him going in the top 40, you know, 38 to, to like 45 in a lot of drafts. Yeah, man. I mean, what are you doing? Like, I was I, one of the – I was so high on him. I, I thought yeah. for sure the usage was going to skyrocket. It was going to yeah. be Jordan Poole ball. And yet here the Washington Wizards are trying to actually coach a basketball team. I thought it was yeah. just going to be Sandlot ball. Um, Off this backboard is gonna, dunks. Yeah, pick up at the, right. YM, uh, the YMCA. And, oh. I mean, he's, he's trying to play his own brand of basketball. Right. And credit to the Wizards because they're not having it, and they shouldn't. Jordan Poole, we are learning, was a product of the system. And the system was in Golden State. And honestly, they need each other because Golden State is struggling to score outside of the obvious stars. And Jordan Poole is struggling without real structure. He thinks he's a superstar. He is simply not. What do you do with him? You hold him, put him on your bench, and um, sorry. You can put him on the trade block, but who, who's making you an offer for Jordan Poole right now? And he's good, too good well, to drop. Yeah, I, I feel like this is my like Alibaba stock that I bought in like 2019, and I'm just like waiting for it to to eventually skyrocket. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I, and if, if that's the thing is, if you're trading him, I mean, it's it's rock bottom. It feels like right now. Uh, I would probably hold off and and just hope that that he has like a hot week, which will probably come at some point, right? I mean, there's going to be a week where he has back to back 30 point games. Maybe at that point, that's when you you try to to sell relatively high on him. But if you're selling him right now, I mean, what do you? What are you getting back? It's like I'm looking at other players yeah. in his general range. It's like, are you trading him for, I don't know, Devin Vassell? Or you know, you try to get someone like Jeremy Grant who has been a better scorer but has not really given you anything else. Uh, you could target uh, – trying to look at like other under – you know, John Collins is like hanging around t- like the top 100. I mean, these are the type of guys we're talking. Like you're not, you're not getting somebody else who is being drafted in that same range. No, um, but I'm also uh- – you know, in most scenarios, I think philosophically in fantasy, I agree with you. You don't want to you don't want to sell low, but it could actually get worse. So I, I don't think it's the worst idea to just see if you can if you can get something. If there's some player out there that intrigues you, that's that's around the range that Nick was just talking about. Mm. In most scenarios, I would say that's a really bad idea, and it's and it's a panic move. I I I truly think this situation might not improve itself. Um, so if you have somebody, you you have to know that that other fantasy manager is looking and saying, "I believe that that turnaround is coming." And if you can get that sort of value on Jordan Poole, that might be the only value that's really left. Is somebody that that really thinks that, mm. like, they, if they think they're ripping you off, then that might be the person you want to make a deal with. All right, uh, good trade question here from Jacob. So he's saying Jason Tatum, Asar Thompson, and Jalen Duran for LeBron, Miles Turner, and Chris Stapps Porzingis in a points league. Uh, which side would you rather have? Tatum, Asar Thompson, and Duran for LeBron, Miles Turner, and Chris Stapps Porzingis. Boy, that is a heavy hitter blockbuster trade. I think I'd rather have the first part. I, I don't. I'm not trying to trade Asar Thompson right now. Tatum yeah. is Especially is great. League. 
Yeah. No, I think I'm keeping I think I'm keeping Tatum, Thompson, and, and Durham. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I'm on that side for sure. Uh, you know, LeBron's been fantastic so far. It's just he, he looks like the same guy from the last few years, and you, you do wonder at some point, is he missing 15 to 20 games? Is that injury coming? You know, he's dealing with the calf thing of late. Uh, I actually thought LeBron looked better last night than he had at any point this year in terms of aggression, confidence, like some of the the shot making. Like he was, he looked like kind of you know 2015 LeBron. I thought at times uh, with, with the the athleticism and the way that he was going at that Grizzlies defense. So there's there's going to be nights where you know he's a little more passive and, and the age shows up. Uh, so I understand you know the appeal with LeBron, but yeah, in a points league especially, I think that's where Asar Thompson is going to have a little bit more value long term. That's where you know, the, the three, the lack of threes, the, the free throw percentage aren't going to hurt you. Um, and Jalen Duran too. I mean, obviously rebounds matter uh, in points leagues. And, you know, I, I think that's what I want. Jason Tatum is also the steadiest player in fantasy basketball. Uh, whereas sure. Miles, well, I mean, LeBron, Miles Turner and Chris Tapps, Porzingis all miss a ton of time. Right. So I think, I think you have, I think you have more upside with Thompson, Duran and Tatum. And I also think you have a higher floor. So for me, that one's pretty easy. I think if you're going to get into the business of trading Asar Thompson, you trade him by himself and you bring in a star player. And and it, like you really try and – do you, what kind of player do you think you can get in return or complement of players if you trade Asar Thompson by himself? Huh, that's a good question. I mean, it's it's so hard to say who might might just be available. I mean, so you're saying he's exciting him. right now. Like the, right. we do, you do have to consider that he could be a. Right. We think he's steady, but that's also baked into his value in a trade. Is that somebody that's making a move on him doesn't think that they're getting fleeced, and so you can get a little bit more for him. Yeah, I mean, are, are we talking like do you target someone like a, like a Pascal Siakam? Yeah, um, and I mean, Siakam's coming off of another great game, and it seems like he's turned things around. But maybe somebody who was scared off by the early season struggles. Uh, I I still feel like I'd rather have Asar Thompson, but that that sort of my point is that the fact that that's where we are uh, mentally with Asar Thompson means it, it might be a good sell high point. Yeah, I, I think you know in general, I want to I want to target you know, guys who have that pedigree, who might be off to a slow start. You know, you're, you're obviously selling high on Asar Thompson. You're probably buying low on someone like Siakam. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying for sure that Asar Thompson is going to fall off at any point. Like, who knows? Um, and it, it, right now he's not an appealing player to trade, but uh, certainly something that I would consider uh, just, just given, you know, the fact that there would be kind of a, a buying frenzy on him. Um, all right. What about, what, my guy, what about my guy, Paolo? Sure. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I mean, I, I think Powell's played fine. I, I think the, yeah. the fantasy ranking maybe doesn't quite reflect that. Um, you know, the three-point shooting is going to be up and down, but uh, that's that's somebody that I would I would rather have at this point just for, for the relative security. Uh, we got a question here on Mark Williams. Thoughts on Mark Williams? Clifford uh, is playing with his minutes too much. Do you think Miles Bridges impacts him when he's back? Uh, yeah, the Miles Bridges question is huge. We should just address that in general. He can return as early as this this Friday. That's the Hornets' next game, and mm-hmm. all indications are that that's going to be the case. You know, Steve Clifford even said, you know, he's going to have a big role right away. Uh, they seem to be just kind of, kind of leaning headfirst into this. They play Friday and Saturday in a back-to-back, and uh, it's tough to say right now because the Hornets have a ton of injuries. So like, we don't know if Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Brandon Miller, uh, any of those guys are going to be available on Friday. So we might we might not get like a, a perfect look at Miles Bridges' role right away, but. Uh, you know, in terms of Mark Williams specifically, it's like 
in a roundabout way, his role could be affected because if we're, if we're seeing more Miles Bridges at the three or the four, maybe that means that we see more PJ Washington at the five. Um, so I, I think Miles Bridges, you know, I, I think there's like three or four players on this roster who can ultimately impact. What say you? I wouldn't be so confident that Miles Bridges comes right back into the starting lineup. I think that's that's sort of where I'm at. It, he hasn't played basketball in a while, and uh, Steve Clifford is a hard-nosed, old-school coach. you got to earn your minutes back with a guy like that, and I think that's part of the reason why it can be frustrating for fantasy managers because you look at players that say, this guy's clearly better than that guy. I remember so vividly when he was coaching the Magic, it would drive Magic fans crazy because he would, rather than trying to get Mo Bamba up to speed, which in hindsight now, it turns out he was completely right about Bamba, but at the time, you thought this was a, a big with all this upside, and he kept playing Kem Birch over him. And it, was, it was maddening, but that's the kind of coach that he is. If you're not giving him production and you haven't earned your minutes, then you're not going to be on the floor. Miles Bridges has to earn his way back, so I wouldn't freak out about it. Um, uh, even though he's going to make his way back, I, I don't think it's going to be that impactful right out of the gate. We're still talking about a player looking back at uh, three games ago, 24 rebounds against the Washington Wizards. I mean, that's not the kind of guy you want to get away from too much. No, no, not necessarily. Um, I, I kind of wish I would have had more Mark Williams, honestly, uh, given the start that he's been off to. I didn't I didn't really love what I saw last year. I thought he, was, he looked like a little slow, uh, but he looks more athletic to me. He looks more confident early this season and, um, you know, unfortunately, we got a question here from from Ant. You know, Nick Richards is somebody I've been streaming in a couple of leagues uh, over the last couple of weeks. I think he's somebody that you know maybe not dropped fully from the rotation, but I, I think we see his his impact muted a little bit going forward as well. Uh, and Ant asks, you know, if I have to drop one of these guys in a category league, would you drop Bismack Bayambo, Nick Richards, or Goga Batadze, the big three? The big. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that if we're being honest. Um, I mean, you're the Nick Richards guy, so I'll leave that one for you. Bismack's been playing some good basketball. Um, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm dropping Goga. I know our guy Ken Kreitz overspent for him, and uh, mm -hmm. you know on on the Fab, but Wendell Carter Jr. should be making his way back relatively soon, at least within the next couple of weeks. I just don't think Goga is going to give you that much more. And Mo Wagner, I think, has been playing so well. I wouldn't be surprised if they made that switch as well. Um, in the starting lineup. Yeah, I've, I've never been a huge Goga guy. Uh, I know some of the per minute numbers look okay going back to his days in, in Indiana when it felt like he was like a game time call for every single yeah. game that he ever played. Um, and, you know, Wendell Carter's not going to be out that long. Uh, so I, I never really was was all in on, on Batadze. It's not like we're looking at like a four-month injury here. Um, I think he fooled people with the block shots in that first game right out of the gate. That's not really who he is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was, it was kind of the perfect scenario to, to yeah. force people to overspend on him in fab. Uh, all right. We got a couple messages to, to pass along uh, from some of our sponsors. If I can actually locate uh, the reads here, Brandon, I, I got, I my, believe in you. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to fold my screen down. This is embarrassing. We got too many monitors going here, uh, but we got three great sponsors. Uh, you got a nice look at that Spalding notepad though. That oh was yeah. Nice. Very cool. Got that. Uh, got that from the NBA combine one year. Uh, we always love the NBA supporting us. Uh, Underdog Fantasy, Brandon, is the number one platform for best ball and DFS player pickup contests. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to 100 bucks and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire with promo code RWNBA. That's RWNBA. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today and use that promo code RWNBA to get a free Rotowire subscription and deposit bonus. 
We're also brought to you by Vivid Seats. The NBA season's underway in behalf of our friends at Vivid Seats. Let's get one thing clear. Nothing beats seeing your favorite team crush it on the court to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Every dunk, dribble, and heart-pounding play of your favorite team live and in person. And because Vivid Seats is the only company where you can earn rewards on every purchase, you can score amazing deals and unrivaled rewards all season long. Plus, with their 100% buyer guarantee, you can be sure your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Go to VividSeats.com or download their app today. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE for 20 bucks off your first $200 purchase. That's ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, for $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, uh, what else we got from, from last night, Brandon? I, there's, I would love to say that we could do like 20 minutes on the Wembenyama versus Chet showdown. Yeah. It was anything but. Uh, not only did OKC run away with the game, they win by 36. It was really never all that competitive. You know, got out of hand in the third quarter. Uh, but props to our guy, Alex Marutha. You know, on the, the Rotowire NBA show on Sirius XM NBA radio last night, he handed out a Chet Holmgren to outscore Victor Wembenyama bet at two to one. And uh, yeah, it didn't really cash in the way that we thought. Uh, Chet Holmgren, nine points on three of 10 shooting. Victor Webinyama, eight points on four of 15. Hey, a win is a win. That, that was, uh, I've noticed there have been a lot of uh, disappointing moments really ever since we get that whiff of the phenom version of Victor Webinyama when he went up against Kevin Durant and it made all the headlines and he had that monster stat line. We've seen Webinyama in some other spots in prime time situations with the spotlight on him and he hasn't really shown up so i think i'm uh, officially out of the business of the spurs being appointment television and Wembenyama can kind of just become part of my league pass rotation with everybody else there were there were there were better options last night to say the least yeah, it was too good to be true, you know, and this is this is something that's going to happen with the Spurs, right? I mean, they're, they've been blown out a ton of times already, and, you know, Wembenyama still has, like, three wow plays every night, even on what felt like a, a disaster night for him. Um, he had a ton of, even 14 rebounds. He had, like, six in the first couple of minutes because there were so many missed shots here, but um, unfortunately not too many takeaways from that game specifically. Uh, let's let's get back to the chat here. We got, got some good questions coming in. Is Spencer Dinwiddie a must-roster? This is interesting, Brandon, because on Monday we had people asking us, is he a must drop? Right. And then he goes off against the Magic last night and you want to, you know, now you want to throw him onto the roster. I think that that was more of an outlier than a norm sort of performance. How much of that do you think was because of the time that Ben Simmons is is missing? And not that Ben Simmons does a lot of scoring, but he does handle the ball quite a bit. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, and what what had concerned me with Dinwiddie prior to last night was that he had not put up good numbers with Ben Simmons out. And you're thinking, all right, I mean, if you can't, if you're only giving us like three and a half assists per game without Ben Simmons, like what is that going to look like when he's back? And then of course, you know, he goes for 29, nine and five last night with five threes. But that's that's also kind of how it works with Dinwiddie, right? Like there's for for every 29 and nine game, there's like three 12 and three games. I, so, I feel like the guy scores 12 almost every night. And Cam Thomas was out last night, too. So that's something to keep in mind for uh, Brooklyn. I don't think he's a must-roster right. player. I, I, I roster him. If you're in like a 10 or a 12-team league, you know, it becomes a little dicier. In, in a 12-teamer, I'd still, I still want him on my roster. I want him as an app, as an option. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say he's, he's a must-roster for me. He's not a must-start. You know, I don't, I don't think you're going to like – if you're in a league with four or five bench spots, do you really have, like, five players around your league that are significantly better than Dinwiddie? And I also don't know if Ben Simmons is coming back anytime soon. Like this, 
when we're talking about nerve irritation for a guy who's had a ton of back issues, I don't think this is like a two-game injury. Yeah, only Ben Simmons gets nerve irritation. You don't see that from anybody else. It's a very Ben Simmons injury. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Um, all right, what else? By the way, can I you? just mention, and until further notice, if you bet the NBA, can you please just bet Pacers overs and don't overthink this? I mean, <laughs> this team is captain consistency. They've yeah. played 11 games so far, Nick. Their overs are 10 and 1. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's, a, it's the biggest lock every night they play. It's just they, they've done a really good job of making teams play the style of basketball that they want to play. And they don't always win, but they are. They're one of those teams. You talk about teams that we were wrong about. The Indiana Pacers are one of them. I thought they'd be a lot worse than this. This is a real basketball team, and, and they're controlling pace every time they take the floor. I, they had their, their best win of the year last night against oh, the yeah. 76ers. And that was that was a game where you just you kept waiting for Philly to to take control and it, it kind of win this one late. Like, you know, Tyrese Maxey had a huge uh, you know crossover step back three that tied it late. And you're like, all right, this might be the momentum swing uh, that, that that finally gives Philly this game. But uh, Tyrese Halliburton, man, is just so, so good. You know, the, yeah. the lack of turnovers, uh, you know, these last couple of games, he's just been unbelievable. 33, 15, and 7. Last night, he's always good for a couple of steals. Gave you a block last night. Seven of 12 from beyond the arc. Uh, you know, I, I didn't even think Indy played all that well. It's, it's not like they shot the lights out from three to get to 132. It was it was a lot of Halliburton. You know, TJ McConnell gave them some good minutes off the bench. And then we saw, you know, the best game maybe of his career from Obi Toppin. 27 points, six boards on 12 of 15 shooting. I think Tyrese Halliburton is right now, at least in the conversation for MVP, which is um, oh, yeah. not not anywhere that, that we would have thought he'd be um, just based on how where we thought the Pacers were going to be coming into the season. But he's on that short list. I don't think he's necessarily at Jokic, uh, Jokic levels, but he's not far behind with uh, with the way this team's performing right now. And you're right. That win should start to put them on on a national radar. This is a really good team and they're a lot of fun to watch. And for fantasy purposes, they're fantastic. Yeah, they're they're so much fun to watch. I mean, they're they're a completely different team with Halberton. You know, we saw it last year too, right? I mean, they were like a couple games over 500 with him when he was out when he was not out there. They just they have nothing offensively and, you know, the, the, I think the the lack of creation other other than Halberton kind of makes them so dependent on him, but for fantasy, uh, you know, that's probably a good thing uh, as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, question about the Clippers. What's the rest of season outlook on the Clips? If you had to take a guess, Paul George does not look too affected by the Harden trade, though Kawhi is kind of struggling. Is this a buy low opportunity uh, on Kawhi Leonard? And uh, our, our question asker here uh, posits, could Asar Thompson get it done for Kawhi Leonard? Is that a deal you'd consider? Ooh. Um, yeah, see, that's this is exactly what I'm talking about with Asar Thompson. That. Uh, I I do think that the Kawhi Leonard owner would make that trade. And if you're confident that he can put together a Kawhi Leonard type season and not miss too much time, then you're going to end up on the winning end of that. But there's reason for pessimism right now. James Harden has wrecked the uh, chemistry for this basketball team. And, and I can't trust that Kawhi Leonard is going to be somebody uh, that's going to play more than 60 games in the season. So even though it's you, you probably it's probably the sharper side to get Kawhi Leonard on your roster. I'm not sure I'd be willing to make that move right now. 
I'm not really concerned about Kawhi's recent struggles. Um, you know, there's, there's been some, some bad signs. You know, there's some, some audio the other night of him, like, screaming at Zubac mid-game, which, like, it's Kawhi Leonard. That's alarming because Kawhi Leonard doesn't talk to anybody, uh, let alone shout at his own teammates. Uh, I, I don't think he – I don't know that he was necessarily on board with the Harden thing. You know, I, I, he's always been a, a passive personality, but it doesn't look like he's he loves how the Clippers are playing. He's been under – 20 points in three of the last four games, actually four of the last five since James Harden joined the mix. So there, there is reason for concern. And, and Paul George, if you watch this team, certainly last night, like he's the, he looks like the alpha, right? Like he looks like the guy who, you know, everything's running through him. He's far more aggressive. He was the guy taking and mostly missing the big shots last night. So I, I understand the concern with Kawhi. The thing with me is like, even if Kawhi was playing well, you just, it, you know, you're just waiting for the injury, right? You're waiting for that knee to act up. And all of a sudden he's in and out and he's missing back-to-backs and, yeah, we, we just go through this with Kawhi every year. Uh, but but I, I think the more interesting part of this is, you know, would you trade a Sar Thompson for him? Is it worth that risk? I don't think I would. And I, I, I think right now, and this isn't just based off of one or two games. This is now, we're going on a few weeks of the NBA season. Asar Thompson statistically has been the better defensive player which is crazy to say because Kawhi Leonard, as far as an on-ball defender, is one of the world's best. But the statistics just aren't there when you compare it to what Asar Thompson is giving you. It just looks so sustainable. What I'm watching from Thompson does not feel fluky. He looks like he belongs, and that's just not a guy that you're going to have to blow me away in a trade. Name-wise, you win with Kawhi Leonard, but I don't think it would pay off in the end, and I think you could do better. Yeah, I would try to do better. I actually, I don't hate trying to get Kawhi just because you said name wise, it's like you know Kawhi. If he if he plays even sixty games, it's probably worth it. He probably out out produces Asar Thompson. But yeah, I would go for someone who's got a little bit more security, not in terms of stat upside, but in terms of games played upside. Yeah, I want somebody who I feel better about getting to seventy or even you know seventy two, seventy five games. Uh, free key. Yeah, you want to buy low. That I feel like that's buying high on on Kawhi Leonard. Right. If you make that kind of move, uh, he he's, he would be considered a buy low candidate. So see if yep. you can get him on the cheap. Free key, uh, who we always appreciate jumping in the stream. He asks, uh, "What's the stream for the Warriors with Steph Curry out and Draymond likely suspended?" Uh, yeah, Draymond, I, I think is probably getting a couple of games here. Yeah, you know, these these suspensions always come in lighter than you'd expect, as far as like putting a player in a chokehold goes. Like I, I don't think Draymond's getting like. Do we have precedent for that. Yeah, well, it is Draymond. So, you know, if they take into account, you know, his history, maybe we see a few more games. But I would guess, what, two, three games for Draymond? And I was like going to say earlier, five max. Okay. Five would be the max. And like what we said earlier with, with Steph, you know, I think they're going to take him game to game. Would not be surprised, you know, if this ends up being more of a week-to-week thing when you're talking about a knee sprain. Um, we'll see. I mean, Clay could get a game or two as well. So there's, there's going to be opportunity if you're in daily lineup leagues. I mean, are you – if you have the opportunity to, to add Brandon Pajemski – you know, is, is this something that you would consider uh, for the rest of the week? Warriors I'm gonna, play tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Warriors play tomorrow and Saturday against OKC. I'm gonna. I would do it, but you know, don't obviously keep your expectations at a proper level. I think in terms of who we would expect to see, I mean Moses Moody. At some point, this is this is your time to shine, man. Like if you're not gonna pop off here, then I just don't think it's gonna happen for you. So it should be Moses Moody. But, yeah, I mean, I would take a shot on Pajemski. I mean, based on what we saw last night, I, I do think there's going to be, like, a, a serious regression. Like, I don't, I don't know how closely you were watching that game, Brandon. I, I had that one on one of the TVs. And some, some of these shots were, you know, kind of miracle type of plays. You know, he had a, a high, you know, floater and one over Rudy Gobert that is just like, all right, I'd like to see you make that one again. Yeah. You know, like we said, the, the banked in three to end the third quarter. Like, there was, there was a little bit of uh, kind of magic behind that game. So I, I don't think you can just expect Pajemski – 
to give you 20 plus every night. Um, you know, in terms of streamers, it's like, I guess the most, the next most obvious name would be Andrew Wiggins, but that's a pretty tough one to stomach right now. Uh, I wouldn't be rushing to grab him. You know, Dario Saric had, had 21 last night. He took 11 threes, got to the line six times. He had some rebounds, gave you a couple steals. So, uh, you know, if, if I think he'd be the, the kind of obvious replacement for, for Draymond Green. Like if you're, if you're looking to specifically replace him in a daily lineup league for the next two games, maybe just grab Dario Saric. He's probably going to play 30 minutes and just hope for the best. Yeah, he seems to be the the go-to starter in this sort of situation. But in terms of how closely I watch the game, if it starts at 10 o'clock at night, I'm watching the highlights and reading the box score. 10 o'clock Eastern time, I have a four-year-old, and he does not care that I want to stay up and watch NBA games. Uh, good question here from uh, from one of our pals. What about Jonathan Kaminga, asked Kenneth. Uh, we, we didn't touch on Kaminga. I... I love the idea of Kaminga and, you know, last night should have been a big opportunity. He only played 16 minutes, which was yep. kind of strange with no clay, no Steph, no Draymond, uh, you know, prior to that, he, he had a decent run. He scored, you know, double digits in seven straight games. Uh, but, you know, even, even in what have been considered his better games this year, like he's not rebounding at all. He has five assists total in his last eight games. The defensive numbers haven't really been there. Uh, he is getting to the line a bunch and he's shooting almost 80%. So there is that, but I just I don't have a ton of interest in him. Like even even when he plays well, it feels like it's kind of just scoring. Yeah, he's he's still such a raw player, and you can see just based on the the opportunities that he should be given, just uh, based on his draft status. You're talking about a guy that was taken inside of the top ten just two years ago. Steve Kerr doesn't trust him, and he still has not refined his game enough. Moses Moody is dealing with something similar. The only reason why I say I trust Moody a little bit more is because he could shoot. He can shoot from the outside, and that's not part of Jonathan Kaminga's game. So I, um, I, I just don't think Kaminga really fits into the flow of the offense all that well. It's a little bit square peg, round hole for me. Yep, yep, I, I feel the same way there. Um, all right, we got a message from Rival Fantasy. LeBron versus Jordan, Magic versus Bird, Barkley versus McHale, Jade McDaniels versus Klay Thompson. Basketball is synonymous with legendary player rivalries. They make the game more fun, and they give fans the storylines that raise the stakes every time those players meet on the court or come up in conversation. Now every player matchup and head-to-head debate can be settled on Rival Fantasy. This NBA season, you can play challenges where you decide which NBA player will score more fantasy points in their next game. Play the Rival Fantasy in-house challenges or create your own and get a friend in the mix with customizable social challenges. Sign up at joinrival.com slash rotowire right now, and you'll get a $200 deposit match. Get in on this now uh, before we get too deep in the NBA season. That's joinrival.com slash rotowire. It's time to step up to the challenge on Rival Fantasy. We will see you in the arena. All right. Nick Whale and Brady Kravitz here with you, taking some listener questions as we move through the pod. Uh, Derek Lively, rest of season outlook. Uh, and we, we have a, a second question here. Will Scoot redeem himself when he comes back? So let's uh, let's start with Derek Lively Brandon, uh, not somebody who I have rostered on a ton of teams. Uh, I know there was some preseason hype and, you know, for the most part, he's, he's looked pretty good. Like I, I watched him a lot at Duke last year. You know, this is a guy who at one point was the number one overall player in his high school class. And I just, I didn't love what I saw. I mean, he certainly didn't look the part of a, a number one overall recruit, you know, kind of more of an, an energy type of player. Uh, but right now, you know, you're, you're targeting him for the field goal percentage, which is up over 70%. And, and you're looking for the blocks. Uh, he has at least one block in all but one game this season. Ironically, last night against New Orleans was the first time he did not record a block. 
for the most part, though, it's been like, you know, one single block per game, which is still valuable. You know, the rebounds have been a little bit more up and down. Uh, but but where do you stand on Derek Lively? Is, is he you know, a guy who is a sustainable starter going to be you know playing 20 to 25 minutes most nights? I think he is. This is a, exactly the kind of guy the Mavericks have been looking for for years. And I think that's why you're seeing him produce right out of the gate. This is the type of player that they've been wanting to pair with Luca, somebody who can rim run, play some defense. And uh, they want they want a big with athleticism because um, Luca is going to put guys like that in positions to succeed. They've been struggling to find that player. And uh, and I think Derek Lively, might, might, even though he's young, he's still the best version that they've had in years. Um, what was it? JaVale McGee, I think. They had like spurts with where they would find guys that could play that sort of role. But I think Derek Lively's game is more well-rounded than, than anything that they've utilized in, in Luca's short career. Uh, so let's go to part two here. Will Scoot Henderson redeem himself when he comes back? I, to some degree, I think he will. I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was before the injury, but you know, the last thing he needed was to, you know, miss a couple of weeks here and, you know, be dealing with an ankle. We'll, we'll see how long that lingers or when he's back in the lineup, uh, probably going to be at least another week, uh, if not longer until we see him, you know, I, I don't think, you know, we're going to look back in March and Scoot Henderson is still averaging like nine points and, and four assists and four turnovers per game. I, I think it's going to get better. The question is, is it better to the point where you're actually putting him in a fantasy lineup? I don't know, man. I, 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 he's somebody I'd probably be willing to trade. Like, I, I, th- I think even if the numbers improve, he's probably he's going to be better in points leagues. He's going to be, you know, I, I think some of those plays will be more translatable to like real life value as opposed to fantasy. Like even even like the, the, the rookie guards who have like the best rookie guard seasons, they don't tend to rank that high in fantasy. Yeah, his his best days are in front of him, uh, which is easy to say because he hasn't done anything yet. I am still going to hold on Scoot Henderson. I don't personally think you can trade him. You would get absolutely nothing in return because he's shown nothing. If you tr- if you drafted him, um, you know what you were looking for. He hasn't shown a glimpse of it yet in NBA regular season action. It's mm-hmm. going to come. Uh, at some point, he's going to put together a couple of games that absolutely wow you. You might just have to wait for it. So it, I think it. I don't think you can trade him unless he's a throw in and add on to a deal. He can't be the the core of it. And I'm not I'm just personally not willing to throw him on the waiver wire. If yeah. you have to do it, you know, I understand, but at this point in the season, you should be comfortable just keeping him on your bench. Good question here from uh Supremacy. He asks, "Who do you think is going to be the Shay of this season? Someone who just smashes their ADP? Could it be Scotty Barnes? Could it be Tyrese Maxey? Could it be somebody else uh obviously Barnes and Maxi are, are already those are good options <laughs> yeah they're 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 in that conversation this season and uh for reference the the ADP for for SGA last year it's kind of all over the place depending on where you look you know ESPN he was going considerably higher but you know for the most part across like CBS Yahoo underdog he was going around pick like 30 to 35 so you know we're, we're talking about somebody who you know is maybe drafted in the the second third fourth round who could finish as a first round value yeah I, I think Maxi. Maxie's the, the most obvious one right now. And I think what he's doing is pretty sustainable. Now, if the Sixers were to trade for Zach Levine or, you know, bring in somebody of that caliber, maybe that changes things that lowers his upside a little bit. Um, but out, outside of those two, is there anybody else who who comes to mind? I mean, Chet Holmgren ranks at the top 20 right now in eight cat. I, I think he could be somebody. Yeah. And we've mentioned Asar Thompson a bunch of times. He, he's not going to give you the scoring upside that some of those other guys are that we've talked about, but I still think just overall fantasy value. Um, he's somebody that's, um, 
that's really impressed early on. I'm trying to find somebody else. I'm looking down the list of the rankings. And most of the guys that are performing were, were relatively expected to do so. So I think that you already nailed it uh, there on the question. I think those are the guys that have the best opportunity um, unless there's somebody that's just going to come off the top rope out of nowhere, it looks like it's Tyrese Maxey, it's Scotty Barnes, and then in a different sort of way, Asar Thompson. Those seem to be the most pleasant surprises. And and if we were to redraft today, w- their ADPs would be so much higher than they were going into draft season. Yeah, it's tough to find somebody else who has like SGA level upside. I mean, you have to have such a solid stat profile, right? Like, and and even yeah. Asar Thompson, it's like even at a best case, like he's right. Like the percentages are going to keep him down. Uh, you know, the, he's only scoring twelve points per game. You know, so it's like he has. You know, he's. But he's his gonna, ADP like, was so, was so oh, ridiculously right. yeah. low. So it's all it's based on right. relative to expectation coming in. Yeah, no question, no question. I mean, he could finish eighty spots ahead of his ADP. So for sure, I just you know he, he doesn't have first round upside necessarily uh, the rest of the way. Uh, let's see who is droppable of this group. Uh, he's got to make room for Devin Booker joining his roster in a nine-cat league. Uh, we should mention, by the way, Devin Booker, Brad Beal, Kevin Durant, all three expected to do the unthinkable and play tonight uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, so Yusuf, Yusuf needs to Fade. drop one of these three players, Dyson Daniels, Alec Burks, or KCP. Well, I've already dropped KCP in a, in a league, so I guess I would have to stay true to um, what I'm doing here on my end. I think Contavious Caldwell-Pulp would be my would be my pick there. Just not really filling up the stat sheet like he was early in the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I see the name Alec Burks, and I'm just like, eh, I don't know. I mean, every every fantasy basketball player goes through the Alec Burks phase where he spends a couple of weeks <laughs> on your roster, and uh, you know, it's, it's been good of late. I, I I just I just worry about the variations with this Pistons rotation. Uh, you know, they're like Jaden Ivey played 20 minutes last night, still found a way for Burks to play 20 plus. Like I, I just. You know, like when Bogdanovich comes back, when if Joe Harris, you know, ever joins the rotation, like th- those are both guys who could kind of marginalize him. So, yeah, it's tough. I mean, and, and Dyson Daniels, like I, I, I like the player a lot. I, you know, I think he kind of got robbed of of his rookie season. You know, with the injury, didn't get to play all that much. Uh, you, you're basically targeting the the steals and the assists with him. Mm. I, I think when CJ McCollum comes back, whenever that may be. Uh, and, and even Jose Alvarado is going to have a say in this rotation. Like I, I think then we could see Dyson Daniels take a step back. So. Frankly, I, I don't know that you're going to like have major regret dropping any of those guys. Exactly. Like, I, yeah, with KCP, I, I kind of like holding him just because he plays a ton of minutes. You know, have those nights where he gets you like four or five threes. It gets you steals. Um, it just hasn't happened. You know, this is a guy yet. I actually went and picked him up off the waiver wire yeah. um, a, a couple weeks ago, and he's done nothing. He had one 15-point game uh, so far in about the last month of play. Uh, he's had five and ten in his last two games. Hasn't made more than three threes at any point this month. We're just, and he doesn't give you anything else. That's his entire game. So if I'm not getting threes from Condavius Caldwell Pope, I'm just not interested. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, let's hit a couple more, and then we'll be out of here. Is Ben Simmons a drop? This is a 14-team category league. Uh, you know, obviously the, the the question asker cites the the recent development with the nerve issue in the back and. I mean, I don't, I don't draft Ben Simmons anywhere. He's been on my do not draft list for a couple of years. This is just not something I've had to grapple with, but it's a fair question. And, you know, in a 14 team league, like if you have, if you have an IR spot, maybe you just throw him in there. I just, I don't know. I don't see this turning out well. You know, I I don't, I don't think a month from now, Ben Simmons is, you know, you know, putting up 12 points, nine rebounds and six assists every single night. So what do you, what do you think? 
my general rule of thumb when dropping a player is, is somebody else in my league immediately going to try and add them? Because if that's the case, then you're better off just trying to get a trade done or you might be making a mistake. I don't think Ben Simmons is an immediate add. So I would say, yeah, you can drop him. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that. I don't I don't think you're going to get burned is the way I would put it. It's like, you know, worst case scenario, he just kind of goes back to giving you like borderline top 100 production. Yeah. So if you, this you isn't going to come back. This isn't going to backfire on you. No, no. Um, I have Cam Johnson in my league. Should I pick up? Uh, so I guess the question is, should you pick up Cam Johnson? If, if he's available, yeah. I mean, unless you're in a super shallow league, I would pick up Cam Johnson. Uh, trade question from Jose. Should I trade LeBron and Valanchunas for Barnes and Siakam in a nine-cat league? Ooh. I say yes. Yeah, I think I would, I would rather have the Barnes and Siakam yeah. tandem. Yeah, I mean Barnes has been the best player of the of the four so far. You're buying low on Siakam. You know, we talked earlier about LeBron and, and the injuries the last few years, and you always have to worry about that. And you know, Valanciunas is fine, but ultimately, I, I think there's there's more upside with the two Raptors guys. Yeah, and uh, you're buying low on Siakam, but also Siakam with signs of life. You know, that was yeah. my concern about a week ago when we had this conversation was that we just hadn't seen anything, and so you were wondering if it if it had all gone away or if they were going to move off of him. But Scotty Barnes, you know, he came back down to earth a little bit, but he's still filling up the stat sheet. And now you're seeing Siakam um, really start to score the ball well. So I like what I'm seeing from both those guys. Uh, all right. Another good question here on, on Zach Levine, uh, who was you know at the Champions Classic last night, hanging out with Rich Paul, uh, just doing the, tip, the typical like post-trade request. Uh, I'm out there. You know, everybody wants to to you know be public here. If Levine gets traded, will his fantasy outlook be better than it is on the Bulls? Uh, for example, what if he went to the Lakers or the Heat or the Sixers? In terms of team context, I would say yes. I mean, the Bulls are dead last in pace. They're just a terrible offensive team. You know, Levine just kind of looks like he's, he's stuck in the mud. Uh, so I, I think in terms of like a a just pure basketball situation, like almost any team would be an upgrade. But obviously, he goes from kind of the code number one in Chicago to you know if he goes to the lakers he's he's the number three option uh if he goes to the heat kind of number two ish i guess you know Ooh. depending on how you value bam yeah sixers to, the sixers to be i mean it would be fun like i, I get it it would I, wreck I I tyrese max i know value. i know i don't i don't want him to go to philly because I, I think that's going to throw cold water on maxi yeah i well I, I read a report yesterday i don't know if it was a report or a rumor so excuse me there but it was uh it was from a philly beat writer that said philadelphia is unlikely to make this move because they're really happy with the depth that they have so i would be surprised if the sixers made a trade like this when they already have somebody that plays that sort of a role in their offense and yeah they're hot right now so they don't have any sort of impetus to make a trade like this i think it's the heat and 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 in terms of in real life, it would help them a lot. Yep. And in fantasy, I think in terms of those three options, it would be the best for Zach Levine because he wouldn't be the number three guy or in the shadows of Joel Embiid. He would be the number two to uh, Jimmy Butler in that offense and would basically be like a high-definition version of what Tyler Hero is giving you. So I love that for fantasy and reality. Reality-wise, Hero, like Hero would be on the way to uh, to Chicago. He, he would yeah. be part of that trade, guaranteed. I think so, yeah. I mean, is is Levine that big of an upgrade over Hero? Uh, yes, I think he is. Okay. Tyler okay. Hero's not a, not a true three-level scorer. Zach Levine is. 
I was looking at some of his numbers yesterday. Catch and shoot, 42% from three-point range, and he can get to the basket, and he's a better defender than Tyler Hero, which you can say about almost anybody. Mm-hmm. I think he is. And now, he's also way more expensive, but if you're just looking about uh, looking at it from a basketball lens, I think Zach Levine is a, is a pretty significant upgrade. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, trade question here from Amin. Franz and Lopez for Garland and Looney. Which side would you rather have? I would much rather have Franz and Brooke Lopez. I think I would do the same. Yeah, I mean, Lopez has been off to somewhat of a slow start, but I mean, Looney Looney ranks behind him so far. You're kind of just targeting the rebounds with Looney. So to me, it comes down to who would you rather have between Garland and Franz. And, you know, Garland has, has been the better player in fantasy so far. Uh, but I, I think the the upgrade of... The upgrade of Lopez over Looney to me would would slightly push me in favor of the, the Franz and Lopez side. But this is this is yeah. a fair deal. It's a fair deal. I mean, I, I like Darius Garland, and I think he's probably going to rank higher than he currently does, which is like mid fifties. You know, he probably pushes into the thirties or forties at least. Um, so, so fair question. It's a points league if that matters. Yeah, and Cleveland has not been playing all that well. I would imagine that tonight we'd see um, an upgraded uh, stat line from Darius Garland. They're playing the Portland Trailblazers. That tends to be a nice slump buster situation. But Franz, you know, we talked about it earlier. This is steady Eddie in fantasy. So you kind of, you need those guys on your roster. You know exactly what you're going to get. And the, um, I think the variety of production you're getting from Brooke Lopez yeah. far outweighs that of Kevon Looney. Great question here from Ant. MMA fight. Who do you put your money on? Draymond or Gobert? I think Gobert's just a little bit too um, lanky and awkward. Like, I think he could be caught out of position pretty easily. Um, Draymond Green is is as feisty as it gets. So just based on attitude, and, and I worry about the uh, right hook of Gobert taking too long to uh, to meet its mark, I think I'd go with Draymond. And you know he'd be a dirty fighter, too. Oh, yeah. Well, see, I don't watch MMA. That's like my – that's – the bottom of the barrel for me in terms of sports that I care about. Uh, so I don't, I don't know like really what the rules are. If the rules are, are pretty relaxed, then absolutely Draymond. Like, are, are you allowed to use weapons? Are you allowed to choke no. people out? Um, what, whatever the case. You can I'm choke people Draymond. out, but you can't use a weapon. Yeah. I actually, I actually think Gobert is probably tougher than he gets credit for. Um, you know, I think he's kind of been dragged through the mud in a lot of ways. I think he put up a fight. He's got the length, you know, he's got the reach. Uh, but no, I, Draymond might be number one in the league, right? I mean, is James Johnson still in the NBA? If, if he's not, like you don't want to, you don't want to be matching up with Draymond. I thought it's like fighting a grizzly bear, man. He's got the, he's got the girth, he's got the aggression. Um, I don't know. I think I, I think I would take Jay Crowder over anybody. Well, Jay Crowder's hurt, so he, you know, right now he's he's out of the equation. We'll have to wait on on his prize fight. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, another good. Would you rather here? Uh, well, you know, I assume it's a trade question, but we'll just say, would you rather roster Jimmy Butler and Mark Williams or Paul George and Alperin Shangoon going forward? Nine category league. Ooh, uh, like both sides here. So this is not easy, but I think I like Paul George a little bit more than Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And I definitely, I think right now, Mark Williams is out playing Sangoon, but I think I'd rather have Paul George and Alperin Sangoon. Yep. Me too. Uh, you still worry a little bit about the sustainability of Paul George, just with how bad the Clippers have looked with Harden, but it hasn't affected him so far. And to me, like Sangoon versus Mark Williams, that is a very clear mark in favor of Shangun and the, the turnovers haven't really been that bad for him. Like I know that's been an issue. He's been a high turnover player per minute in the past. He's only at like two per game right now. So the, the nine category thing is, uh, it's just not that big of a deal for me. So yeah, I would lean, I would lead George and Shangun. Uh, we got an all caps question here. Would you trade Reeves for Rozier? 
No, I would not. I'd rather have Austin Reeves. I know we haven't quite seen it all put together yet, but better days are ahead for Austin Reeves. Towns for Harden and Nurkic. Uh, our, our friend Z says he received this offer. What do you think? Uh, no, I'm, I'm holding on to Cat in that situation. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I, 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 like... James Harden is still a great. You have way player. too That's much faith in James Harden still. Well, I, I mean, I don't think James Harden is is going to win the Clippers the title here. I, I'm not worried about that, but you know, like it feels like he's played like it's been a disaster, right? He's played five games, they've lost all five, they look clunky, and yet he's still like 45th in fantasy. Like he's beating his ADP as far as where he was going right at the end of draft season, and he's averaging 15 points, four rebounds, four assists. Like he's He's still a cheat. Like he hasn't missed a free throw. He's still a cheat code there. The field goal percentage is good. He's giving you two threes a game. Like it's, I actually think this is a pretty fair question. I, I, I would rather have Towns. Um, you know, the, the Nurkic thing to me is like, it's almost more like Towns or Harden straight up, uh, you know, including Nurkic in there. Like if you, if, if you're, if you're light at center and like you need a center eligible player, I actually think this is an okay deal to do because Harden doesn't really miss time for the most part. He's been very, very durable. Um, and he's always been a better fantasy player than, than he is a, a real life player, which is saying a That's lot. Fair. He's a pretty yeah. good real life player. So I actually think this is one you have to think about. Um, to me, it, it just comes down to how much help do you need at the center spot? Uh, all right, we'll hit two or three more and then be out of here. Would you trade Cade Cunningham for Kawhi in a nine category league? Mm, no, I'd rather have Cade Cunningham. I think I'd rather have Cade as well. Uh, I mean, the thing is he's turning the ball over a ton. So like, it's kind of it's kind of a, a false number here, but he ranks outside the top 200 in nine cat because of the five turnovers per game combined with the 40% from the field. So I, I understand it. You know, Kawhi ranks like 170 spots ahead of him right now. He's only turning the ball over 1.7 times per game. Obviously, the percentages are better. If you if you're somebody who's willing to take the risk on Kawhi just you know playing 50 games, then yeah, this makes sense. Like per game in a nine category league, Kawhi's better. I, I would just rather have the guy that I think could play 75 games versus the guy who could play 55. Yeah, and we, and I still think there are better days ahead for Cade Cunningham. We haven't really seen him put it all together this year. Mm-hmm. He's an ascending player. Kawhi is descending at the moment, and I uh, just don't think he's filling up the stat sheet like we're used to seeing. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe egg on my face in the future for doubting Kawhi, but I've been pretty low on him over the last hour of this pod. I have Skylar Mays, Jeremy Grant, and DeAndre Ayton, and Bilal Koulibaly. Are any of them worth dropping for, uh, it says Cam Thompson. I assume it's Cam Cam Thomas? or I would think Cam, Cam Thomas. I think it would be Cam Thomas. That, auto, Cam that, Thomas feels, like a, Cam that feels like a Thomas autocorrect. Yeah. Uh, I, look, I'm not really that big on Koulibaly, fantasy-wise. I, I know he's, you know, we've seen some flashes. I, I still think he's just wildly raw, like one of the rawest prospects that we've ever seen drafted in the lottery. Uh, you know, you'll get some rebounds, you get some defensive numbers. He's got seven steals over the last two games. So that's, that's ultimately what you're chasing, but you know, he's going to be like a 50% guy at the free throw line. I think the, the percentages are going to be all over the place. Uh, the three point shooting has actually been pretty decent so far, but you know, we'll see where that goes in the long term. Um, you know, cool Bali to me is, is somebody who's, if, if you have the roster spot, kind of a fun guy to have. I, I just, I don't, I'm not really high on him and, uh, if it's Cam, if it's Cam Johnson, I'd rather have him than than Koulibaly, no question. If it's Cam Thomas, that becomes maybe a little more complicated. I'm just wondering why you have so many Blazers on your team. You know, I think we need to share the wealth here. Yeah, right? 
Skylar uh, Mays has looked really uh, good, by the way. Yes, he has. And I, I think as long as Brogdon and Scooter out, that's that's going to continue. And, you know, we're obviously going to be a few more weeks uh, without Anthony Simons as well. All right, two more. Then we're cutting it off. I got a trade proposal. Dennis Schroeder for Jordan Poole in a 14-team category league. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think I'd... I think I'd rather have Dennis Schroeder at this point. I am I am all the way out on Jordan Poole. I I think that's fair, man. I mean Schroeder Schroeder ranks 85th right now, 32 minutes a game. Uh, you know, significantly more efficient than Jordan Poole. He was playing more minutes consistently. Uh, obviously, a better producer of assists. He's giving you a steal per game. I I don't think that really changes. You know, barring barring something unforeseen with Toronto, like a big roster shakeup where they bring in a better point guard, which I just I don't see that being the case. Like, I think they're pretty content with Scotty Barnes and Dennis Schroeder doing the ball handling. Yeah, he's 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 found a very clear role in that offense, and Jordan Poole is lost right now, yeah. and I don't see that situation improving anytime soon. So give me the proven commodity over somebody who looks to be circling the drain. Mm-hmm. All right, this is a good one to end on. What do we expect from Shaden Sharp? Will he remain in this spot after they are healthy as a team? I love Shaden Sharp, one of my favorite players to watch, just a, a freak athlete, one of the smoothest athletes in the NBA. Uh, he's been on a nice run of late. He's, he's played 40-plus minutes now in six straight games. He's averaging 42 minutes per game over the last six, 20 points, five rebounds, four assists, and a steal. Uh, you know, High-volume three-point shooter it tends to give you two or three per game there. It's just like I, he's not going to play 40-plus minutes, right? Like We have to be realistic about that first and foremost. I still think he's a big part of this rotation, but – you can't really underestimate, you know, how much production and how many minutes they're missing right now with Brogdon, who is playing pretty well. Uh, Simons, who's going to be a, you know, 35 to 38 minute guy when he's healthy. And then Scoot Henderson, who, you know, this is a, it's ultimately a rebuilding year for Portland. Like they're, they're going to give him opportunities. They want to develop him. Uh, so I, I still like Shane Sharp. I, I still think he'll be rosterable, but no, I, I don't, I don't think his current production, if we, if we isolate these last six games, I don't see him being a 25 and four guy the rest of the way. I think you got to expect some, um, you know, some regression there. Yeah, production might take a dip, but I think the efficiency could be there. They're not going to get away from Shade on Sharp. He is part of the rebuilding process for the Portland Trailblazers. So even with those guys coming back, he'll always have a role this season uh, just based on where they are and in, in their rebuild. So he's somebody I'm really excited about. And we, and there's no, there is no certainty, when especially when you talk about teams that have no interest in winning basketball games there's no certainty that good players return to the lineup and and portland is maybe at the top of that list right now all right guys we got to cut it off here still getting some good questions in the chat we apologize for for not hitting the the more recent ones but we will be doing this every wednesday at 10 30 a.m eastern so um you know if, if that's a good time for you hop in you know we're happy to answer all your questions you can find the archive version of this on our youtube channel you can always find us on the Rotowire NBA Twitter account as well. Please like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That is huge for us as we try to grow this thing. Uh, I also do this basically the same pod with Alex Perutha uh, on Monday afternoons. If you got questions there, uh, we'll have Rick Kamla and Steve, Dr. A. Alexander coming at you guys tomorrow morning. And then Ken Shannon and Alex doing their waiver wire show on Friday. So Monday through Friday, you can find this podcast on our YouTube channel, find it on our socials, and you can listen to it in traditional podcast form as well wherever you get your podcast. So uh, for Brandon Kravitz, I'm Nick Whale. We thank all you guys for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. 
But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.